Today I want to answer a question that so many people struggle with Sunday after Sunday when we come into the sanctuary. And uh, how many of you ever felt like God's just not going to accept me? How many of you ever struggled with that? You're like, ain't no way. You know, it's interesting that Sharice had come up today and was talking about Solomon. You know, Solomon was the product of David and Bathsheba. Now, y'all know how that all started, right? That did not start off in a righteous, godly way. And, matter of fact, they lost the first child. David repents. They go on and they have Solomon. And Solomon, out of this, out of what was started out as evil, he takes Solomon and does a great thing with him. But even Solomon had to keep his path straight before the Lord and stay focused and remember when he wrote Proverbs, remember this is what Daddy said. And Daddy knows these things because Daddy had fallen and Daddy had messed up and Dad knew how to get things back on track. But, but the question is, if we come to church and we come in here and we sit down, and first off, I'm going to say this. If, if you have a word during service, there's your yes man right there or no man. If you have a word from now on, y'all see Donnie West. I'm, I'm worshiping. I'm trying to think on my word, and I really don't have time to sit here and, and go through every word. So Donnie West is the man uh, to do that, and he's better qualified than me to do that. So y'all see him and uh, you know, so that we can uh, have uh, really seek the heart of the Lord during the services. And Yes? Yes? Well, we said we. Amen. Have integrity with your words. Amen. Amen. And that'll keep it real and keep it legitimate. Amen. I mean, we need to have integrity when we give the words from the Lord. And, um, you know, we talked about that. Man, if you missed Wednesday, it's your own dang fault. It's your own dang fault. You missed it. You missed it. William had an outstanding word, and I just want to commend him on that. And if we can, if we can, uh, I know, I think we, I don't know if we tape Wednesdays or not, but we need to get that on, uh, get that on the, the website so that it can be listened to. But today I want to talk to you, because this is what we do. We come into church, and I've done it so many times, and we're sitting there during worship, and we're lifting our hands. We're doing the outward motion. You know, Isaiah twenty nine thirteen says, you know, you, you worship me with your heart, with your, with your lips, but your heart is far from me. What do you think God is more concerned about? Your heart. God, God wants your heart. Why? Because if he has your heart, he's going to have everything else about you. Not just a fake worship session on Sunday, but he's going to have everything about you. Because God's, God doesn't just want to encounter you on Sundays in corporate worship. God wants to encounter you daily on your walk, time in and time out. And when you lay down, when you wake up, God wants to be an ever-present part of your life. But what we do is we go about uh, during the week and we, we do our thing and then we come to church. And while we're in here in worship, we ask ourselves this, what if God really knew what I did this week? Now, y'all see the humor in that, right? What if God really knew what I did this week? And, and, and we end up with like, 
there's like two kinds of people. There's people that come to church and they try to worship and hide things, but then you have people that are broken inside and they're like, man, I need to encounter God, but they're afraid that he'll reject them when, he, when they show up to worship him. And I'm going to tell you that, that's not the case. The very thing that you need to solve the very problem that you have is not yourself. It is an encounter with the presence of God. I mean, if you're going to get mercy, it's going to come from God. If you're going to get grace, it's going to come from God. If you're going to get transformation, if you're going to get healing, it's going to come from who? God. But I want you to go to Psalms 51, and, and I want you to know the, 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 the thing about this is this, this is the psalm that David wrote after he had committed adultery with another man's wife. And not only did he do that, he had the man murdered so that he could take this woman to himself. Now, now, how many of you have ever done something to that extreme? Please don't raise your hand if you have. We do have cops and, 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 and law enforcement people that go to our church. You know, So, I mean, you're going to put them on the spot. Like, oh, okay, we've got to ask some questions now. But, but, I mean, think about it. You know, I mean, think about the things that we deal with. And here is David. But what, what do we know about David? God said that David was a man after his own heart. A man that will do all his will. Okay? You see, when we think about David and how he was a worshiper, we start thinking that, man, this guy was perfect. He was, he was 100% legit. He didn't make no mistakes. No, David was a dude just like us. David had faults just like us. But David's response to his faults is what helped him recover from those faults. Helped him walk with the Lord. Helped him become healed. Now there were things in his life that just the damage was done, but his walk, the, the, the focus was his walk with the Lord. I mean, don't you think that if, if you're called a man after God's own heart, that means that you know, you're like purer than snow? You know, and we do. We don't look at all the faults of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, all these men that God had called to do great things. They had faults. But here's the deal. When they fell, they knew how to get back up. When they fell, they knew how to get restored. When they fell, they knew what God's mentality... See, you've got you've to know how God feels about you so that you can be reconciled to the Father. You know, the Bible says that the, in Romans 8, it says that there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Period. 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 The original translation has a period there. The King James Version actually goes on with some more stuff, but it, it ain't there in the original version. It says to, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. You see, condemnation removes any hope that this will be healed. Condemnation removes any, 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 uh, any way that this will be restored, any way that this can be repaired. And Satan wants us to be condemned to think that there's no sense in me trying, there's no sense in me going to the Father, I just need to stay over here in my own business, but that's where Satan wants you to go. But everything that the Father does, everything that the Father does, everything that the Father does is to restore your relationship with Him, is to allow you to go back to Him. Allow you that when you do well, that you run to Him. That when you fall, you run to Him. But that you know that my only help, that the only way for me to obtain mercy, the only way for me to obtain healing is, is, is through the Father's relationship. 
And I want to tell you this, we have to understand that our relationship with God is a fixed thing through Jesus Christ. There is no way that he can deny me as his son because I am his son. I have his DNA. I have her DNA. I am their kid no matter what the courts say, no matter what documentation says. I am their child by birth, by right. And when we, listen, when we are adopted as sons through Jesus Christ, we are permanently the kids of God, the Father of God Almighty, and there's nothing that can change that. Because there's nothing that you did to make it so. It was the work of Jesus, and it was our faith. It was by grace through faith that we were saved. Not of yourselves, so that you can't boast. But what we need to realize is that our fellowship can be broken. You see, the relationship's there. Him and I can be mad at each other. Him, amen, yeah. I mean, we've been, we have. We, but we've had problems. We've butted heads. We've had times where we didn't talk. But you know what? God, I remember, I remember laying in bed being at all and just thinking, God, this is so terrible. I remember times when I was a kid. You know, it was funny. The things that I, the times that I thought he was going to hammer me the hardest were the times that he showed the most mercy and the most grace. And the times when where he was in total right to tell me to get out of his house or whatever, he came looking for me. You know? He had, I mean, I, I was in the wrong. But he said, I, I, don't, I don't want us to have a broken fellowship. And there's such peace in that fellowship being restored. There's so much peace in it. You know what? We come in here... And, and God, God, let me tell you something, God's objective for you, it's peace. It's peace. It's peace. See, people don't realize that. Every, everything God does in our life is for peace. God wants you to come in here and to worship him and to encounter him. And he wants you to encounter him tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. But we see David here. He has murdered a man and stolen his wife. And Nathan the prophet comes and rebukes him and says, Hey, there's a guy in the kingdom that stole another man's sheep, yada, 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 all this stuff. And David says, We need to put that guy to death. And then Nathan looks at him and says, That man was you. And David changed his tune. And immediately, David was broken. Immediately, David was humbled. Immediately, David saw, This is me that he's talking about. And then, then he writes this psalm. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to what? Your love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. Behold, you delight in truth in the what? Inward being. What does God want us to do? He wants us to be true on the inward being. Why? Because if we're not true to God in our inward being, there is no fellowship in our inward spirit, and that's what God wants. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the what? Secret heart. Why does God want, want exposure to our hearts? It's because that's where he teaches us wisdom. 
That's where he transforms us. That's where he communes with us. He says, purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. So what does David know that his only hope is? Gee, is God. God to change him. But here's what, is he, what does he know about God? What is the thing that gives him hope? Because if he was like so many of us, we come into worship, he would be like, there's no sense in even trying. But he knows this, God loves me and God wants me to be restored in fellowship with him. Now listen to this in verse 8. It says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken. Who broke these bones? He says, let these bones rejoice. Just stay where you're at right there. Because we're fixing to go dwell in Hebrews. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hebrews 12, verse 5, it says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And he goes on talking about our earthly fathers. But listen, listen. Verse 11, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. You know, I remember when I would do stupid things, knowing that I was doing wrong, and Dad would correct me, and Dad would spank my rear end. And I, I, I don't ever remember a time going, man, this is a wonderful time with you, Dad. <laughs> Thank you for this. I did after the fact, but not while the pain was there, not while my butt was numb with flaming fire of regret and remorse. But listen, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, listen, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those, those who, who have been trained by it. It says the peaceful fruit of righteousness. What is God's objective in your life? Peace. Peace. You know, he gives us scriptures on how to have peace, who to hang out with, who to avoid, how to... Have peace. How to offer peace. Offer peace. It says, therefore, listen, listen to this. Therefore, lift your drooping hands. Worship. And strengthen your weak knees. Sagging around. It says, and make straight paths for your feet. Now, how do we make straight paths for your feet? The word is a lamp unto my feet. A light. Unto my path. He says, if you want to walk straight, get back in the word. Say, Lord, how do I correct my steps? You know, the Lord's the one that sets our steps. We don't. It's the word. He says, get in the word. So, so listen to this. So that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. You see, God wants healing in our lives. God wants peace in our lives. Produced through righteousness by reading the word and having a path that is straight because we have a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. What? Yeah. And 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 there's and there's a and here's a true story that goes along with that. The shepherds. Okay, I remember hearing this story when I was a little kid. Shepherds, 
have sheep, and we know that sheep sometimes are not, they're not the brightest. They drown. They, they scare the water. I mean, there's a lot. Sheep are problematic. How many of you know that we are problematic? And every now and then there would be this sheep that would just wander off and wander off and wander off and wander off. And what the shepherds would do to these sheep is they would take them and literally take their staff and break that leg. Why? So that he wouldn't wander off. Because what happens when sheep wander off? They drown. They get devoured by wolves. They, 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 they starve to death because they don't know where to go to eat. They don't, they don't really, they are hopeless without a shepherd. And the shepherd says, okay, I love you, but I'm going to have to break a leg here so I can keep you from wandering off. You know, I think about the, th- the times that God intervened in my life, but here's the deal. He does it out of love because he's a good father. And here's the thing, if he's not doing that to you, then you ain't his kid. He says, this is a sign. Of our relationship. And so we see this. David says let the bones that you have broken rejoice. And so he's saying Lord I have, I have sinned against you. You have broken some bones. But I pray God that you will heal them. And let me rejoice and be thankful. For the lesson that you spared me from death. You spared me from going even further. And so you know we, we've got to understand that when we. We have been saved. By grace, through faith, God is our loving Father. God will discipline us, but that, that, not for the sake of rushing us away, but for the sake of staying with Him, for the sake of running to Him, for the sake of crying out to Him, for the sake of seeking His mercy and His grace. It says, Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Created me a clean heart, O God. Who can create a clean heart in us? God. Therefore, who do we need? God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast not me away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Why, you know, why is it important that we walk with the Lord? Not only for ourselves, but for the sake of others around us. He says, O Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. In other words, he says, you, you don't want me to just do all these external sacrifices. He says, I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. He says, the sacrifices of God are this, a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. You know what contrite means? It means repentant. It means repentant. And so we find that we have like, there's, you can find yourself in two bad places. One, in a non-repentant way, coming here and just doing external worship, but the presence of God ain't moving, and he ain't moving until you move, until you repent and say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to do it your way. But then there's the people that come in here, and they're broken, but they think because of the lies of Satan that God doesn't want anything to do with me. If David thought like that, things would have turned out completely different. If David, after having a man killed and stealing his wife, did not know that God still loves me, he wouldn't have no way went and sought him out. He would have no way pressed in to go find God in his will, in his life. And David knew that when you have nothing else, all you have is God. Why don't you go to Hebrews chapter 4. Yeah, we do. We fight with this all the time. What, you know, here's the question. What gives us the right 
to come in here. Because here's the thing. You may not have murdered anybody. You may not have had, had an affair. But you know what? There's always something that Satan can accuse us of. It may be something little, it may be something big, but there's something, there's always something that Satan tries to interject into our minds when we come in here and say, look, we, we just want to get in the presence of God. And Satan comes in here and says, eh, you can't do that. But I want you to listen to this in Hebrews chapter 4. Since we have a great high priest, this is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Since we have a great high priest, how many of you know that we have a great high priest? His name is not Chad West. I am not the high priest. Who's the high priest? Jesus. Who passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. How many times do we come in here and we say, Jesus just ain't going to understand. Jesus just doesn't know what it's like. With our weaknesses. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Jesus has faced every temptation that each and every one of us faces. He, is, he has been tempted by sex. He has been tempted by money. He has been tempted by food. He has been tempted by everything that we have been tempted with. He says, yet he is without sin. And because of that, and let me tell you something. This wasn't, he wasn't just, he was God in the flesh. He was all man and he was all God. And so, but he came and lowered himself and humbled himself to come live in flesh, to live this life, to endure it. And the Bible says he learned his obedience through suffering. It says he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. But listen, this is what he says. Let us then with confidence. How are we to enter into the presence of the Lord? We are to enter with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive, what? Mercy, and find grace to help in the time of need. And when, when, it, when is that time of need? When you ain't good enough, smart enough, you need Jesus. You need his mercy. You need his grace. And this is a continual, ongoing Thing. We need thee every hour. We need thee. Oh, we need thee. Every hour we need thee. You know that song? It's, it was wrote by a needy guy that realized how much he needed Jesus in every day of his life. And it is in that need. And it is in that availability of the mercy and grace. And then it is that knowing that Jesus loved us. And then it is in that, uh, that, that knowing of what worship is about that we come in and say, God, help me because I can't help myself. And you still love me, God. Give me mercy. Give me grace. Change my heart, Father God. Clean me with hyssop, Lord. Forgive me, Father you know, when Jesus died on the cross and when we receive that blood atonement in our life, we're forgiven for every sin, past, present, and future. Amen? But what God wants is, is, is not just about the relationship. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to fellowship with you. But he says, let us stand with confidence. And so when we come to worship, how should we come to worship? With confidence. With a broken heart to say, God, I need you. 
I need you. I am desperate without you. But it is the very fact of your sinfulness that God has done what He has done so that you could come and fellowship with Him. Go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. He says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, okay, so what do we have as Christians? Confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh. Now, y'all remember the tabernacle of Moses, right? There was the court, there was the, the holy place, there was the, 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 the most holy place. And, and where did God's presence reside in the most holy place? Above the altar, above the Ark of the Covenant, between the cherubims, right? How often did the people of Israel get to go before the Ark? The people of Israel didn't. Only the high priest did. And the high priest went once a year to atone for the people. But the Bible says that when Jesus died upon the cross, and he said, it is finished, it said that the veil that hid the presence of God from the people was rent, not from the bottom, from the top, because man could do that, but from the top to the bottom. To show that now my presence is available for all who proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? You see, some of you can't worship because you don't have the Spirit within you to worship. The Bible says that we have to worship with spirit and in truth. Jesus is the peacemaker. Amen? The Bible says that when we come to Christ that we now have peace with the Father. And the only way to have peace with the Father is through Jesus Christ. But if you have Jesus Christ, you have peace with the Father. You have a new relationship. That is, all, that is the beginning of our worship walk. It says, but since we have the confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is his flesh. His flesh has made the way. His death. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Amen. So what gives us the right to come in here and approach God? The death of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ that is shed on us. Because when you have the blood on you, you have peace with the Father. But David says we need to come in broken before the Father and understand that. That I need you, God. I need you, Jesus. You know, I was... It, just for a personal example in my life, some of you have heard this, but when I was, I met Christy the day before her 15th birthday. And we went to Hummer, uh, Lumberton Homecoming. And we went to Riverfront Park, and we fell in love. And man, for like, like a whole six months, it was just nothing but me and her. And then we broke up and got back together, broke up and got back together. But it's like we just couldn't, we couldn't get away from each other. And so we decided when I was in boot camp to get married. And I wasn't saved at the time. But while I was in boot camp, she gets saved while she's here. You know, and Dad was preaching. And she comes out there. And I was so full of the world and so against 
everything that God wanted in my life, I just beat her down continuously and continuously and continuously. I constantly chose myself what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to do what God wanted me to do. I was constantly feeding Chad West. And in the, in the, and in the first couple of years of our marriage, it got to the point where I would ask her, what club are you going to? Because I'm going to another club. Because I didn't want to go to the club with my wife. And that kind of tells you my intentions, right? And so in, 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 the t- in the process of time, I ended up having two affairs. I cheated on my wife. I, I, I'd had an affair, two of them. And then I remember before I went on my last deployment, I, was, I, I, uh, I just, man, the, the Holy Spirit showed up one night in my room and he reminded me of his calling on my life. He reminded me of of all where he had been with me and my family in my life, but he he revealed to me that I in no way (laughs) was headed for heaven. I in no way had been born again. And I remember that night, man, I just cried on my face. I just fell on my face, and I just said, God, I am sick of what I have created. I need you right now. And I remember that night I got saved, and I went in and I told Christy, but I had, I, had, I had destroyed her so bad when I told her. She was like, yeah, whatever, we'll see. And so like within two and a half months or whatever, I'm on a ship, and I'm heading to, to overseas for six months. I'm, I'm six months without my wife, and, and I'd just gotten saved. We'd been going to church, you know, and, and she was just so hard-hearted. She didn't trust me. Uh, she had no reason to trust me. Our relationship was just shattered. And and I was just so like God, you you gotta you gotta you gotta help me figure this out, you know? You, how do how do I how do I go back to something that is so destroyed and something that is so broken? And I remember our first our first uh, first stop on the ship was Thailand, and man, I was like, I ain't even getting off the ship because this was a party port. And I remember I remember the the guys they they taught me into going out, and I was like, oh man, you know what you know what some of your problems is. The Bible says that, that, that bad company produces bad character. Until you cut the ties with some of the people you hang on, you're not going to be able to step into the, the newness of life that God has, has, is wanting to you to have because you're hanging on to the world and you're saying, I'm not, you know what? When you, when you, when you hang with worldly people, you agree with worldly people. When you agree with worldly people, you're telling God, I don't agree with you. That's what's going on. It's, I mean, you're, you're making this statement that, you know, I, I mean, whether you know it's wrong or not, you're telling the people, I don't give a flip. But I, but I went out, man, I ended up getting hammered drunk, and I, caught, I crawled on the rack that night, and I cried like a baby, and I was like, God, you know, and, I, and I'm going, did I, did, I, did I not mean what I said when I said I gave you my heart? That, you know, I'm like, God, I'm, I'm really scared right now. I don't been baptized three times, you know. I, I I won't want them to take, you know. You know, because you can you can you can fake this your whole life. I mean, you can go to church and carry your Bible and all that, and never be born again. You can know God in your head and never know God in your heart. But man, I laid in bed that night and I was like, God, I need you. I mean, I wept, dude. And I'm like, man, I'm in a birthing area with Marines. I'm just trying to be quiet. And the tears are running down my face. And I remember the next day, a, uh, a big old staff sergeant come up. And he had tattoos on both sleeves. He walked up, slapped me, said, hey, Marine, do you know Jesus? I said, yes, sir. He says, we're having Bible study every week. You come and join us. 
And I went, I mean, God, God immediately heard my cries and I'm going to give you some support. So I started going with these guys and we started going to Bible study. And the Lord began to grow me and deal with me. And here's the deal. I was like, God, what do I do about my marriage? He says, you've got to tell your wife what you've done. And I could not sleep. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to tell my wife she's going to reject me. She's going to leave me. And I can't hold her because I ain't home. I'm in Singapore. I can't lock the door. I can't throw her car keys away. You know the stuff we do when things go bad in the house. I can't cut the tires. There's nothing I do. The only thing that will keep her there will be God and the Holy Spirit. And I remember I got on, I got on the phone in Singapore, and I could not live for another five months. And, and I knew that, you know what, me and her were married by law. She was my wife, but our fellowship was going to be broken until I came clean, until we worked this out. And here's the deal. She knew it. And here's the thing, she had cheated on me one time, and I knew it. Boy, it's, it's, so, it's so amazing how we can suppress our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts, and how we can deceive our own selves. But you know what? The Holy Spirit, I knew, you, know, you know when the Holy Spirit is un- giving you the unction to do something. I called her, and we had our first credit card never used, and we charged almost $2,000 on two, two phone calls just talking. But I remember, man, I, I, remember, I remember that knot in my throat. I remember I was, I was in a food court in Singapore sitting on the floor on a, on a dead gum payphone, And I was so broken. And I said, God, I want this restored. And I, 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 I called her. And I don't, I don't even remember how all the conversation went. But I said, I, just, I need to tell you something. And I told her, I said, I've, I've had two affairs. And, and, then, and then she told me. And while she's telling me about her affair, she's packing her bags to go. But, uh, but I, I told her, I said, no, I don't want you to go. I want you to stay. I want this to work out. I, I, I wanted this. I told you this not so that you would leave, so that you could know me for who I am and know me for who I want to be and that we can become that couple that God desires for us to be. Uh, you know what, when I came home six months later, she was sitting there waiting on me. And you know what, when we come in to worship God, God is waiting on us. God is waiting on us. I mean, you read the story of the prodigal son. God is waiting on us. When we decide to hang out in the pig pen, that's all we're going we're to get. We're going to get leftover food and slop and nastiness. But when we decide that, hey, I've got a father who loves me. Who, who provides for me, who cares for me, who wants a fellowship with me. And let me tell you something, don't, don't think that God isn't willing to throw a party when you return, when you come back. But you know what, this, this is what God wants us to know, that we can boldly come before Him because of what His Son has done in our life. Because the problem is, is when we think that we can solve our problems some other way outside of God, by other some means, then we're not where we need to be. We need to learn that it's only going to be by God's mercy. It's only going to be by God's grace that my heart is conformed, that my heart is transformed, that my life is changed because of the loving relationship that my Father has for me. 
And you know what? So many of you, you struggle, man, with life and you struggle with things and mess and stuff and addictions. And, 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 you're like, and, and some of you are like, you know what? I don't want to get rid of these things. I, I want to keep them. But, but you know what? You've got, you got to let these things go. You've got to give them to the Father. You need to come in with a contrite heart and say, Lord, I am broken before you because you know what? Things are not going to get better until you turn the things over to God so that he can heal you. But some of you are simply because of condemnation. You need to accept what the Bible says there. And we need to boldly come before the Father saying, God, give me mercy. God, give me grace. God, give me help when I need it. And you know what? I need it all the dead gum time. I need Jesus to help me in every and all situations of my life. So many of us are like, when Christy and I were married, we're, we're saved, but we had these things between us. And you know what? God wants to remove all these things. He wants to remove all these obstacles. He wants to clear a path. I mean, when, it, when, when the prodigal son came home, he said, Hey, mate, you, I'll get the heck out of the way. Let my son get up here. Y'all go kill the, cat, the fatted calf and put the things on him that belong to him in the first place that show of his identity with me. So bow your head and close your eyes. Let me ask you this question. How many of you struggle in worship with acceptance from God? While no one's looking, just raise your hand. You struggle with it. Several hands. You know what? Here, it's, it's real simple. The Bible says that in Jesus Christ, we have access to the Father. We have peace with the Father. We have... He said, he, said, he said even to come to him boldly, knowing who we are in Christ. There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ. That doesn't mean there's not conviction. But God wants a relationship with you of communing, of intimacy, of fellowship. He doesn't want us to just come in here on Sundays and lift our hands and sing and, you know, and move around and then go out. He, he, wants, he wants to be a part of your inward heart. He wants to fully be a part of your life. And the thing is, is the very problems that we have, he is the very solution for those problems. And when we realize that, and when we understand that, and when we refuse to believe the lies of Satan, that we can't approach God, he will keep us suppressed and hindered in each and every way that he can. But when we realize that, hey, I can boldly go before the Father. I can go before him broken. I can go before him and say, God, give me mercy and give me grace. And God will be there to meet you each and every time. Amen? So how many of you today say, I just need to accept this little bit of truth that the Bible says today? You know, we want to give to, we want to pray for you and give, and give, we want to minister to that need in your heart. Because until you do, Satan is going to wreck your relationship day in and day out. The Lord today wants you to walk in the joy of his strength, the joy of his fellowship. You know, another thing too, while every head is still bowed and every eye is still closed, the, the very key thing that we can approach God is this, is that if that we have been born again. Maybe you've heard his scriptures, maybe you haven't, but the Bible says, 
For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. All of us are guilty. All of us are guilty. And the Bible said it is the death of Jesus Christ that can restore our fellowship with God, that can, that can create a relationship with God. For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And we think, well, we'll clean ourselves up and we'll get things straight, but you can't. You cannot do anything outside of God within you, giving you a new heart. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You've got to have a supernatural thing where, the, where, 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 where Jesus, where the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. But it's simply this. It's based upon our repentance and our faith that it's made available. How many of you today would like to know that if you died today, if you died next week, if you died 20 years from now, that no matter when you die, wherever the Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. You know what? We're all going to die unless, the, unless Jesus comes back before that. But the thing of it is, is we all will be judged. And you're either going to be judged in Christ or outside of Christ. And the only thing that's going to get you into heaven, the only thing that's going to make you a son or a daughter of the most holy God is if you accept that free gift of grace by believing upon the death, the life, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, today I want to just give you this opportunity. I believe the Holy Spirit may be dealing with you right now saying, hey, today, today is the day that from here on out, you will be able to approach me in worship because you will be my son. You won't be an alien. You won't be a foreigner. You won't be an orphan, but you will be my child. You will be my resident. You will be a part of my bloodline and my fellowship. Some of you today are desiring that. And listen, I want, I want to give you that opportunity to accept Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. You know, I'm going to say a little, uh, just a short prayer, and I want you to say it with me. If today you would like to become a Christian, if you would like to become a believer. But you know what? It's not this prayer that saves you. It's the decision in your heart to say, God, today I see that I'm a sinner. And the only way to atone for that is to accept your son Jesus into my life. So if that's you today, and you say, today I'd love to give my heart to Jesus, I want you just to say this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, today I come. And I accept the free gift of salvation, Lord. Lord, today I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Lord, today I acknowledge that I desire your sonship. I desire your daughtership, Lord. But today, I want to make peace with you through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we just say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, everybody's still looking down. We're going to ask you this. How many of you today said that prayer today saying, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. We got three, four. Anybody else? Five. Anybody else? Five and a half, six. Anybody else? You know, today, I mean, the Lord told me this morning there's some people today that are going to respond to the salvation call. So, listen, I want you to do this. You know, the Bible says that if we confess Jesus before men, that he will confess us before the Father. You know, I believe this, that if you meant what you said, I believe that you're saved as of right now. There's nothing more to do. There's nothing, there's no, there's no chance. There's no handshakes. There's nothing else that you've got to do to become saved if you just professed what you profess. But you know what? I believe this. I believe that when we come in the, in the, in the altar time and that when we confirm it 
in front of the church. Let me tell you something. This whole, most, most of these people in this church have walked down in front of the church and said, Hey, today I accept Jesus as my Savior. Today is the day that I proclaim that I am born again, that I am a child of God. I want to give you that opportunity so you don't go home and wonder and guess, but to, but to know that, hey, today I confess Jesus before men. Amen? But also, if you today say, I'm struggling with God's acceptance, I want to pray for you that you are delivered from that, that you are healed from that, and that you know that you are accepted as a child of God. Amen? So as Sharissa leads us in a song, I want everybody to stand. I want the, the ministry team to come forward. But if today you accepted Christ, or today you say, I need prayer for, for, for the acceptance of God, whatever it is, y'all come today to one of these people and just say, hey, this is the decision I made today. Y'all come. Don't be hard-headed. Y'all come.